This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I drink through a straw when I record usually for that reason. Yeah, because that'll be louder to him than it will be to us. Okay. For sure. You never, you don't do an intro. You're just like, so. I do kind of do an intro a little bit, but it's like very like, I'll slide it in. Yeah. <laughs> so it's usually been, it's been my MO since high school. Okay. Oh God. <laughs> I'm too formulaic. <laughs> like I have to have, not a script, but I have to have, you know, my notes. I feel very naked. You're about. structured. I, I guess. So you need to, all right, so, so welcome to the other side of the brain, my friend. All right. Okay. Lay so, it on me. So this is, we don't structure the show. We don't, uh, I know you, you know me, and here we go. That's it. That's how we do the show. I like it. I like it. I don't know what to tell you. It's a hangout. We drink rum and we just have fun. Well, cheers. And, you know, and whatever comes up, whatever pops up, pops up. We have like a few things we talked about. Oh yeah, we'll talk about this, talk about that, but it may or may not happen. It depends on how it all goes. So, but yeah. So I know you said before that you have no notes and no structured things. I, to I don't discuss. even have my notebook out again. So, you know, I'm so a we're writer. Doing like a, this is like a dual <laughs> podcast. Right. Right now. So for those of you listening or watching that this is also, I will do the intro right now. This is the Connected by Water podcast powered by JoeyCardiChrysler.gbram and fueled by our very good friends at Papa's Pilar Rum. Remind you never to be a spectator. We're going to try to make Papa proud today. It's my intro. That was good. You like it? That that was natural. So, and now you do your Angler's Journal intro. Do you okay. have one? Hi, I'm Charlie Levine, editor in chief of Angler's Journal magazine, and you're listening to the Angler's Journal podcast. There you go. Brought to you by Angler's Journal. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get on the phone with Joey. Maybe he can help us out. Yeah. All right. Um. So, welcome. Thank you for driving down. 
Always Thank you pleasure. for coming early. We tried to go catch snakeheads today. We failed. <laughs> it's okay, though. We'll try again. It, it's totally okay. It's great to see yep. you. I love the studio. It's Thank my you. first time here. It's nice to see your artwork all over the bridge where, you know, your massive mural is like literally yeah, we're home. 20 feet away or something. Mm-hmm. Um, this is This is perfect, man. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, I like having the gallery. It's cool to have a place where people can come and see the art and hang out and drink some rum. And because we got the bar here, and the bar's nice. Know, the bar's nice. The bar's a nice touch, and you know, and you know, it, it's it's a welcome place to come. And you know, and just as a little tease, in about two weeks, we're gonna have um, the Papa's crew here. This whole gallery is gonna be packed with our friends, and it's gonna be a fun one for our boat show edition. So for those of you listening right now and watching. Don't miss that one. That's for sure. That's always a fun one and a lot of laughs. Lot yeah. Of laughs, so well, there's going to be tons of people in town for the boat show and myself included. So yep. hopefully I can make it over. Yep. That'd be a good time. That'd be a good to. time. So give me your critique of the painting. No, it's I'm getting stared at by a giant swordfish eyeball and it's it's drawing me in. It's beautiful, Dennis. I, I love the, you know, you do the refracted light. I hope I'm saying that right. Mm-hmm. Really well. So thank you. Anyone who's dove in a deep water situation in the blue water you get that you look up and you see those rays of light and they always kind of come into the same spot and uh it all points to this giant swordfish being chased by some makos and i just like the perspective you know yeah thank you i I, that's that really really was the goal in this painting was was the perspective um and i try to do that whenever i possibly can you know, every now and then you'll do a traditional pose, you know, but whenever I get the opportunity, I always try to come at it with a unique perspective, a unique angle, something that maybe has never been painted before. You know, I, the last thing I ever want to do is repre- replicate sure. someone else's painting or someone else's, you know, and, you know, as much as I love like, you know, the great ones like Don Ray, you know, but I, sometimes I'll look at his paintings just to not do the same thing because like that he's my hero. So it's like tough to not follow your hero in a painting, you yeah. know. So it's like sometimes I'll be like, I can't do that. Don did that, you know, or or something like, you know, to to that effect. But and it's got to be tough because there it is very tough. There's been yeah. so many out there, but no, it's so when I look at it, I envision it's sort of like a race between these makos and a swordfish to come catch these squid, and yeah, it's right up in your face like some Instagram guy holding a fish out. It's it's got that really. You know, you can't help but look right at its eyeball. Yeah, that that's the focal point for sure. And the name of the painting is Chain of Command with a K. I like it. Right. Yeah, and you so, told me the K story. So there I is a K it. story to it. So if um if anyone would like the K story, then maybe you can message me and I might divulge the information. No, it's beautiful, man. Yeah, you do thanks. great work. Thanks. I'm happy it's done. So, People always ask me like, "What's your favorite painting you've ever done?" I said the last the one that finished. just the one I just finished. Yeah. How many hours do you think uh, were invested in that Um, It's always what everyone asks me, and I generally don't count the hours a lot because most of my work is commissioned, and I have different prices for different sizings, and it's all based on detail. So I I estimate the hours that it took me in in a general sense because I have a pretty good... And I'll, I'll kind of generally count the hours, but I'm not counting them down to the T because the work's already deposited. It's already... The price is already set. So I'm not calculating it to set a price. Um, but if for this particular painting, I probably have about 120 hours into it. Holy smokes. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's, 
every painting for me at least that 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 I paint in this way um the wahoo is very similar to that the marlin scatter was very similar to that where it's like I'm going to take my time doing it um then I'm going to do it right or at least right in my mind um and it's one of the quote unquote one of those paintings right because I do different types of paintings right sometimes I'll I'll be a little looser sometimes I'll do study paintings but when it comes to a full on full detailed painting um I'll really sit back and I'll put the time into it and each painting to me I can look at it cuz I don't do a ton of them every year I only do a handful of them per year um cuz our studio is so busy with doing other projects like you know apparel projects and wrap projects and murals and different things like that we really do cast a wide net of the types of things we work on it's not just commission paintings and not just apparel when it comes to my paintings that's really when I stop the world and say okay these are my projects these are this is you know what I live for and I'm going to take my time with them because I only have them for so long cuz then they get passed off to to whoever commissioned them and I really do build a relationship with them and each painting to me I can look back at each one of the paintings on this wall and I go to a part of my life that's cool right and and it represents a certain point in time for me like I can look at that tarpon on the wall and I know when I painted that I know what I was going through during my life at that time so in a way the paintings remind me of, you know, it's almost like my own personal journal that only I know, you know, in a, in a weird way. No, I get it. You know, I think writing is similar, but very different, but you only get one chance. Right. It's like, so if you're going to do it, that's your one chance. You, you know, it's not like you can go back and republish it or you could go back and reproduce it. So I get it. It's better to put the time in and and be happy with it. And I would imagine much like, you know, I struggle as a writer. Sometimes it's like, all right, just stop editing. Just be done. Yeah. You know, that point of knowing when to just stop reworking on it. And I I could imagine it's got to be hard to just finally say it's done and not want be like, Oh, I just want to go, you know, tweak this one little spot or I want to go back and, and like I could probably go back and... into the squid a little bit, or, <laughs> but then, but then what I've learned over the years by doing that, you just change it, and it just becomes different. You know what I mean? It doesn't make it more acceptable than the way it was before, and I think that's how I know when I'm done. Is if I can look at it and I said, if I, I can go back into that squid, sure. But if I did that, it would become something different, a different tone of color, and then I got to change all of them. Yeah, you, know, you almost it, have to edit yourself. Yeah, so it's like you know, by doing that, am I going to make it better? Or am I just going to make it different? Right, and and it also to what you're saying, I think depends just on the piece. And so it's like you choose your battles, right? So some pieces are smaller than others, and those pieces are easier to say goodbye to, right? And I'm sure I'm sure we can draw like parallels all day long about the it's creative process right mm-hmm. of picking and choosing and you know and i'm always drawing parallels with the creative process and fishing too and you know and in the same way you can reflect on that where like if it's a smaller piece and it's like you don't want to say it doesn't matter even especially if it's for a customer but you're less invested you're less invested yeah and, and it's easier to say goodbye it's easier to say oh that's good enough and i hate to say that like that but that's really the truth now that doesn't mean I'm not putting my all into everything oh, I, I do, but I totally you know, get but, it. But you know, it's easier to say now when it comes to this though. Like this is, in my mind, if I'm on set to do a movie, well, this is my film, right? And I'm going to put everything I want, and I'm going to try to win an Oscar with this film, right? But if you're just going to do like a cameo on a sitcom, 
that's a smaller piece. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're just going to show up and you're going to be who you are and you're going to do your thing. Right. That's all. That's all part of being a professional, I think. And they're both good in yeah, their own both way, good. for sure. Um, no, it's astounding, man. You got a lot of talent. You've always. So do you. Yeah. Well, thanks. But I've always admired that you can do that and paint these, you know, really intricate, uh, lifelike scenes, but yet you can also illustrate and design and graphics. You know, it's it's pretty cool to me. Thanks. I think a lot of that just came with, um, you know, just doing it for a long time and uh, working in the music business for all that time really helped me be diverse and you know, change and move and change on a dime or whatever the the phrase however the phrase goes. Yeah, you're the writer. No, and you know, I came <laughs> yeah. up in newspapers. If anyone remembers yeah. what those were, and it was similar. It was like, okay go to the meeting, turn the story around and be done with it in, you know, an hour. You got an hour to write the story. Right. So you just have to train yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I'm going to just do it. And you do it to the best you can and you got to hit those deadlines. Yeah. You know a lot about deadlines. It's just... 100%. My, every day for both of us is a deadline. Right. I, I mean, if I have to really look at it, it's almost kind of like, um, like boot camp in a way or just wax on, wax off theory. You know, you, sometimes you just go through these motions and you don't know why. Like, if you, I mean, I've been a professional artist for, I don't know, geez, a 20, stab out of 25 five, years, yeah. something like that. You know, so after a while, you know, all these things just become ingrained in you. It's like the whole 10,000 hours theory. Yeah. Some things you just don't have to think about. Right. And same, you know, I've been writing since I, I think the year two ninety nine 99 was my first gig. Mm-hmm. And then I got hired by Soundings Magazine, I want to say in the year 2000. So, you know, I've been working in marine publications for 22 years or so, yeah. which still is like so weird to say that. It doesn't feel that long. Um, and it's, you know, I'm grateful, but you do. You you learn how to use your time wisely. It's right. like, and you learn where to invest it. Like, oh, this is a special story. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go the extra mile. And whereas sometimes it's like, oh, I just got to get this one done yeah. and get it up there. Um, so, yeah, it's a juggling act. And But now that I'm on Angler's Journal, it's been much easier because, you know, it's a quarterly publication. You can really invest some serious time yeah. into these articles. I think that's articles. what I love about that magazine. And I told you this, and this is not like blowing smoke or fluff just for the podcast. It really is my honest opinion about it. This is It's one of my favorite magazines out there. And it has been for a while because because I think for that reason, I think they really do pour everything into every episode or every episode, every issue. every issue and every edition. I appreciate it. Um, and it shows. I mean, it's very artistically done. And there's you could always notice the difference when you put the time into something, right? And I think that goes for a lot of things, not just art, not, just, not just a creative process, but everything. Like it's, it's noticeable. When you put the time in and you care, it... it it's it's reflected. I agree. And it's, you know, big thing we pride ourselves on is the photography and obviously the stories. But, you know, we'll be searching for photos up until the last minute mm-hmm. because there might be a better photo. You just got to keep looking. Yeah. And some people tire of that process. You know, it's a freaking, you got to bird dog it. It's a hunt. Yeah. I love it. And it's been so fun getting to work with some people I've, I haven't worked with in all these years because... We cover everything. We cover fly fishing. We cover freshwater. We cover saltwater, inshore, offshore, 
boats. I mean, all of it. And some of the other magazines I worked on were very niche. Like, oh, mm-hmm. we're offshore. That's it. You know, yeah. six species, whatever. So now it's this massive canvas. And um, yeah, we've worked. I did the math. Since this magazine has been out, it was launched in uh, 2013, 2014. We've worked with over 150 contributors. Really? So many That's different voices, so many different perspectives. And I think that adds to the flavor. And it's hard to pull off because in the magazine business, you know, it's easier if you're sort of niche to get advertising. Like, oh, these are our boat builders. We're going to go after them. Or right. maybe it's like a South Florida based magazine. Put that on autopilot and, and let it go. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're covering this huge thing, it better be good. <laughs> For sure. Because it's hard to appease everyone, whereas it's much easier to just to, to focus on one small group. So it's challenging, and, and that's part of the fun, too. It's just been... I'm so fortunate and happy to have landed where I've landed. Now, for you, I mean, does it make sense for us to just kind of like whip your resume down for a second, like in in all the different publications that you've worked for? I know we're representing Angler's Journal today, but, you know, I I want everyone to understand the steps that you took to get here. Um, So you mentioned the soundings, and then obviously I remember when we first met, you were with Marlon. Right. And then, um, you know, you went to Powerboat and, and... yeah, am I missing? What am I missing here? Oh, so yes, it's funny because Soundings Magazine at the time when they hired me, a fellow by the name of Bill Sisson sat in the job interview mm-hmm. when I was, you know, I don't know, 25 years old, 23 years old, something like that. And I was applying to be a staff writer at a magazine called Soundings Trade Only, which is a business to business publication that the group still publishes. Um, and then fast forward all these years, and then it was Bill Sisson again, mm-hmm. who who I you know am working with on Angler's Journal. Bill was the founding editor of Angler's Journal, and he and I, you know, even after we worked briefly together years ago, but we always stayed in touch. Bill's a a mentor, a friend, just a you would love him. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've ever met him. He's just a real cool guy to be around. So that was my first gig was Soundings Trade Only. And then I worked briefly at the Fisherman Magazine, which is a big Northeast publication. I grew up in Connecticut, so Soundings is based in Connecticut. Then I got hired by Sport Fishing Magazine, moved down to Florida to take that job. Then I bumped over to Marlin. I was at Marlin for like nine, ten years. Um, that was a cool gig. Is it that long? It was that long. Yeah, wow. I got to. But it was great because that was sort That's of great. in the heyday of magazine publishing. We were for putting sure. out 200-page magazines. Mm-hmm. We had you know, fat travel budgets. And it was like, oh, you need to go cover a tournament in Cabo. And, you know, Dave's going to Venezuela. And I mean, we got to do a lot of great stuff. Yeah. Um, and then after that, I worked I think a online. lot of things were like that around that time. I mean, the boat, it, bu- the boat business before that 2008 um, market drop. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the real estate bubble burst and all that stuff, it was great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was so fun. Yeah. We had an awesome staff. We had plenty of bodies, you know, it, the whole publishing world changed after that. Now it's more, you know, yeah, I'm the editor, but I'm still posting on Facebook. I'm, I put out newsletters, you know, you do a little bit of every, you have to be scrappy because yeah. it's just different now. Um, and I'm totally fine with that. It's good to learn those skills. But back then it was like you had a focus, 
you write stories, you, you do the photo editing, you do the layout and you had a great team and we got to travel and just, man, I caught fish all over the place. You know, when I had, when I worked in the music business, we had a weekly magazine and a monthly magazine. And I understand what you're talking about being in that environment to where you just like, you stick to your lanes and you've got the creative director and you got your, your art manager and your designers and you get everything coming in. Like that was like, I want to say old school way of doing things because now everything's so different. Yeah. You know, everything is, everything is digital and you know, yeah. coming in digital and going out digital and you don't have to be there as a group. I mean, there's something to be said for being all collectively there as a team, that. which was awesome. We would put the layouts up on the wall. Yeah. You know, right. You'd print 100%. these big pages and you'd put them up on the wall and you'd have the whole magazine on the wall and you kind of walk by it and, oh, maybe we should move this over here. Or let's, yeah. I, I, I've always loved I miss that those process. days. I really do. I really do. It's even still here, like it's that, like, but it, well, even not. here, it's like things are different with the way you know everything's just in and out and just like everybody's working from home. Yeah. So you know, it's got it. Everything's got its positives and negatives, and we still like when I was on uh, Power and Motor Yacht uh, magazine before Angler's Journal. Uh, Dan Harding, who's now our editorial director tried to recreate that wall process even though we're all spread around the country so we would do our final reads together on like a zoom call and yeah it was still nice because we used to do it in a conference room you know we'd all sit together and read the whole magazine before it went to the pub to the print house and um it was just cool. been a long meeting oh all day you're there all day <laughs> but but that's part of the process right you know it's it's like building a house. You start with the foundation and you put up the walls and the plumbing and whatever. Yeah. And then it all comes together. And, you know, it's like I was saying, you feel like you could constantly tweak it. But at some point, you just got to rip the Band-Aid and fucking, excuse me, send it. You're totally good. The, um, in a way, I think this is kind of why I still read books on paper magazines on paper yeah. i will still buy a it's magazine a different experience be because it's a, well partly because i know what goes into it and you talk about that process of reading the whole thing and all the proofing that goes into it and rarely rarely if you're looking at a professional publication will you look through it and see like a typo or something that like you'll see it every now and then sure you know what i mean but it's because of that process and what goes into it. And I don't think re people really appreciate what goes into a monthly magazine or even a quarterly magazine where it's like but that book is out. And once it's signed off on and it gets to the shelf, there was a process that went into making that whole thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, That's this very is very respectful. So this issue just came out. This is my first issue as editor in chief. It's the. Uh, Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. I don't know if you can. Yeah. Um, so this, I will say uh, before you get into that, the cover of yeah, that magazine, I love it. Right, is the Papas Pilar of Valhalla. Oh yeah, no, right. I was well aware of that. Yeah, there you go. Right there, you see it's in frame. All right. So in a great shot, Steve um, Doherty cover shot by Steve, our good friend Steve Doherty. Yep. Yeah, but what I was going to say. So this thing is a hundred pages, and you know of that sixty-eight pages or something like that is editorial so it's a really? lot it's a lot of it's a lot it's of impressive. words and yeah. pictures to put together yeah um but it doesn't feel like work it really doesn't you know there's long days of course towards the end when you're coming up on deadline but it's i just it's what i was wired to do so and there's not a ton of you know the good fishing magazines out there anymore so i just feel fortunate and 
and blessed to to just be doing this. Yeah. Do you feel um at least I feel, let me rephrase this. I feel that I always say we peaked in like the nineties. Right? Which is like a weird statement to make, but that's because that's before everything changed with digital. And you know, I still think the dust is settling from the tech, like digital technological revolution that we were having like, because it keeps expanding and keeps growing. And I know it'll still keep continuing to go on, but revolutions are called that because in the very beginning they're shocking, right? And the technological revolution that happened in late 90s into the 2000s and you know, people, the way people responded to it, people didn't know what to do with it. Some mm-hmm. people knew exactly what to do with it. You know, I mean, everyone wishes they were those people. Um, you know, how do you feel that affects like now? Like, do you feel like the techno technological revolution is something that we're still weathering, or it's like here and then we've settled into it? I mean, there's a I think lot it to takes a while. <laughs> yeah, a lot to unpack there, but I think it's been taking a while to sure. really, to fall out. I think you have to embrace it, and there's a there's a medium or a format for everything. But I feel like because so many publications have not survived, Mm -hmm. the ones that are still around have to be really, really good to remain profitable and, and exist. So there's been a bit of a renaissance in publishing, I think, because it's become almost like a niche collectible sort of mentality. Mm -hmm. And we found in the pandemic our subscription rates ballooned. Like when the pandem- when the pandemic first happened, everyone had this knee jerk reaction. Oh, we gotta cut our costs. We gotta pull magazines out right. of stores. Lay we gotta- people off. But it was yeah. the total opposite for publishing you know, because people were just sitting around. So um, I think there's still people love to read. They really, really do. Yep. And it's like you were saying earlier. It's a different experience to sit down. You know with a magazine or a book and a cup of coffee or something and just like dive in mm-hmm. than it is to read it on your phone or a tablet or something. And I read a ton of stuff on my phone. Like I read the New York times on my phone and I read, you know, obviously I'm on social media, but it feels really nice to turn that thing off or set it aside and just find a comfortable chair and a few minutes of quiet with a good book or a good magazine. And and I feel it's here to stay. You know, there's some great books and publications out there. Um, and there's still new stuff coming out. So it's funny to me because some of these companies like, um, oh, what's a good example? Like Airbnb, which is a digital company. You know, they launched a magazine, a travel magazine. Mm-hmm. So it, it you, it's definitely still powerful. And companies now, Yeti has its own magazine, and you know, you, there's a lot of these specially publishing things. So I, I do think it has a special connection with the reader. Yeah. It really gets you into that moment. I think there's something to be said for a, a couple reasons for that, but holding something in your hand and possessing it and having it, seeing the photos and the reel in your hand. You know, you know, in reading the words, I, I definitely get more value of reading something on paper than I do digital. But I also think it's kind of like, in a weird way, um, a defense mechanism against um, newspeak, if I'm going to bring up a 1984 term, 
where you're going to change something in the digital. Like if you put up a story, they call crap. Let's redact that or let's change that. You could just change it on the site and it's done. Once you put it in the print, it's there for good and it's on record. Yep. Right? And that can always be recovered. Digital, not so much. And people save these, you know? Yeah, they do. And we really design it to look good on a salon table in mm-hmm. a nice boat. Like that's sort of my vision. It's, right. Or like, you know, a beautiful table like we have here. It's like, it just looks gorgeous sitting against a good table and it just i think it speaks volumes you know if you walk into a room and someone's got some cool literature or something it's like oh all right these people they like to read they're you know they're in it they're invested 100 percent. so you talked earlier about challenges right going with this book because you're doing all different kinds of fishing right now i know that you know about all different kinds of fishing because you started out with brown trout oh. like a long time ago. <laughs> I was ago. wondering if you are going to bring that I'm up. I'm going to bring it up. So anyway, we don't have to get into it. <laughs> right? But I just at least just wanted to drop a brown trout reference. Right. Um, but no, seriously though, the, the challenge of being in a magazine that's not just offshore billfish or it's not just you know Florida, you know what I mean, game. Right? Yeah. It, 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 this is, you're all over the country, all the world even. And so what kind of challenges does that pose for you? Or is it, I'm sure it's more interesting because you're, you're, you're expanding your horizons on it, but is it that more of a challenge for you to write about it? Um, you know, I had a journalism professor way back in the day and he was like, a good writer can write about anything. So you just have to find the right people to talk to and you mm-hmm. got to do your research and, and get your information straight. But the beauty of Ang- Angler's Journal is we have a nice freelance budget we're one of the few books out there who will, you know, we pay decent rate and we, we get, we, we solicit manuscripts from all different areas, walks, everything. So in that regard, it's been very refreshing. So, and Bill Sisson, who, you know, so Bill semi-retired, he's still working on the magazine. And then I moved into the editor in chief position um, just cause he was, you know, he wanted to focus on the things he likes to do. And um, so now I work a lot with these contributors. And honestly, it's more fun than anything because mm-hmm. I enjoy talking to people. I enjoy meeting new people. And, you know, it's gotten me back into fly fishing and some of the stuff that I hadn't done in a while. It's gotten me excited about. Are you traveling to these places at all? A little bit. And, you know, I mean, like I said, this is my first issue in the editor in chief chair. Um, so I was there's a story in here on a trip I did to Costa Rica where we went rooster fishing. Okay. Which is um, more glamorous than snakeheads in Coconut Creek. <laughs> but you it's know what? Bit. There's something to be said about urban fishing. I really am into yeah. it. And there's all this weird, wacky stuff in Florida where we mm-hmm. live. Um, it's just, yeah, I'm into so, it. So, all right. So full, di- full disclosure on the whole snakehead comment. So, and I'm going to tell us to Yanni cause it's the only third party in the room right now. <laughs> So I got to call my buddy, Mike. I'm like, do you guys send me a pin for that snakehead spot? And we're like in the middle of like an apartment complex. And then we like this whole like backwoods place where there's power lines and everything like that. And there's just one square man made lake. And he's like, place is loaded with snakeheads. It's like that's so that, that, that was our hunt. And that was our search. Unlike like if you're going to go to Costa Rica and search for your gopher roosters, it's a little bit of a diff- more glorious process. But yeah, but it's still the same. 
that's what I think is so cool about it. It's yeah. still the hunt. It's still the search. It's still the research. True. You got to know what to use. You got to know what to throw. You got to call your buddy. You got, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's very different, but it's very much the same. Yeah. And I write, you know, in my column, I talk about, you know, how fishing is an escape, whether you're taking your kid to the Such pond an escape. to look at a bobber <laughs> yep. or if you're on some, you know, crazy swordfish adventure, you know, where just it's that's and I feel like now because we're so connected all the time and it's always alerts and dings and your phone's buzzing and people need you to just go to that freaking snakehead spot next to the landfill. Mm-hmm. It was wonderful. <laughs> it was. It actually was. <laughs> it was hot. It was a little. It warm. was hot, right? And we listen. First, so first we stopped off at Tradewinds Park, <laughs> and we're walking around. Charlie's like, oh, "Let's go over to that point." Right? And we walk over to this point, and he's like, "Jesus, is that is that an alligator?" <laughs> that was the biggest iguana <laughs> I've ever seen, dude. Thing was huge. Right, so he starts running after the thing with his cell phone, trying to take video or pictures of this thing. Right, I'm like, don't worry about it. There's more. Right, <laughs> it, w- it was the only one around, but I'm like, they're all over the place. Don't worry about it. Right, so the thing climbs up this freaking palm, palm tree, tree that's hanging over the water and everything like that. Glorious moment. Right, so we're casting for a while. My buddy Mike says, "Oh, here's the pin for that spot." I'm like, "All right, let's go. Let's get out of here. Let's go to this other spot." <laughs> so we get to the spot. And we're like, oh, yeah, this looks good. It's like a nice dirty hole for like snakeheads. They're like, yeah, this is like got to have snakeheads in here. Right. So we both like cast out a couple of times. Charlie's like, it's hot. Right. So Charlie's like, I'm going to go in the shade. So he goes to go in the shade and he goes to step over this branch. And this huge iguana. Like, I almost jumps stepped in, on that thing. Man. Jumps out of the tree and flies into the water. <laughs> I thought he was going to have a heart attack. Right. Well, you know, Florida. I mean. <laughs> You just never know. It's, so that was our biggest. That's about the only thing we caught today. But so I've been wanting to write a story about Florida exotics. And a few weeks ago, I caught my clown knife in Lake Ida, which I'm sure you know about. Yep, I do. Which is like right under I-95. Mm-hmm. Who would you fish with on that trip? Uh, Miguel Miggs. Oh, what the heck's his last name? I should have known you would ask me that. No, I don't worry about it. Palm Beach Angling, I think, is his company. Super good guy. Okay. He's got a uh, action craft and, you know, he was determined, determined to catch me a clown knife because we were using all artificials, which so it could be Hard guy is a good guy. Yeah. And, you know, he knew I had driven down that morning from Orlando and all this stuff. So anyway, we finally caught it. I caught a huge tilapia. I caught some bass. I was with Sam Root. Uh, oh, nice. So Sam was cool. taking pictures and- we were using all of his crazy savage yeah, gear awesome. stuff. I got to tell you, man, if you want to go fishing, go fishing with a guy who works for a tackle company. Mm-hmm. He showed up, you know, those big blue Ikea bags? Yeah. He showed up. I mean, this bag was like the whole bow of the, <laughs> this. Really? Just tons of stuff. All in the packages still? Yep. Brand new. <laughs> so, and he's like, yeah, grab whatever you want. Um, so we did that and I've had this lead in my head that I want to write about how Florida's got, you know, all this weirdness going on and, and so it that, definitely does. Oh, it, it totally does. Just wh- how many times have you watched the news and they're talking about some bizarre story of a man assaulting someone with like a puppy dog and mm-hmm. you're like, please don't be from Florida. Please don't. Be. And they're like, they're from oh. Florida. <laughs> every time, dude. every time, even when you watch those shows, like the, the, the real detective things, it's yeah. always Florida. No. And, and so it's like, why not just embrace it? You know, 
Let's go catch some snakeheads next to the land. I've embraced it long time ago. Orlando's got its fair share, man. You know when people when people make fun of Florida in that regard, I I, I always just kind of like, yeah, <laughs> that's us. It is us. Yeah. There's there's one in every crowd. You know, yeah, it so. makes it interesting. Yeah, it's like, have you gone alligator hunting? Yes, I have. That is some redneck shit. It is completely. So I could tell you my. All right, you know what? I'll tell you my alligator alligator hunting story. I've caught one alligator. I've only gone once. Me too. Right, and but it was a great experience. How drunk? Very. I will have to say that we started off. We went to Lake O South, and I was with Chris Meek and my buddy Keith Bonifee, right, and Jason Riddle, and we were out on. Chris's boat, Chris Meek, he's captain of the flight plan here. It's this, the Spencer that's local here. That's and, the part that cracks me up. Yeah. It's those guys. They're yeah. super into it. it. You know, we talked about like, oh, whether it's Costa Rica or whether it's like a, a square hole in the middle of Coconut Creek, doesn't matter. That's that's the truth, man. If you're in it, you're in it, no matter where you are. And you could be fishing in a puddle like these guys that are dealing with in Fort Myers right now. I'm sure there's people casting their front lawns for tarpon right now with the, with the floodwaters rising. God bless their souls. Um, yeah. You know, so I'm out there with Miki, and we go out um, at sundown. And I'm thinking, this is going to be great. We're going to catch a gator. And they're done this before, and I want to do it, and it's going to be awesome. And Chris is one of the hardest working guys I've ever seen in my entire life. and he's an animal like he's a freak of nature like with the amount of times he casted that treble hook out yeah and just you know being so precise as to you know what's the right one to cast at and even in the middle of the night you know trying trying to get the reflect on the eyes and everything yep. like that and you know, they got we, the beam going yeah I, I ended up getting a um, 10 foot 11 inch gator jeez this is my first gator you reeled that thing in i reeled that thing in Right. And then the bang stick. I reeled that thing in. So, yeah, I reeled that thing in. And um, then they came with the grappling hooks. Right. And when the, the thing just does death roll and it catches itself at that point. And then I'm like satisfied. I'm like, yeah, cool. And then Meek's like tying on the bullet. And I like that. He, goes, he hands that to me. He's like, that's a live round. Oh. I'm like, Oh, yes. I didn't. I, I didn't go, use yes, the it bang is. stick. Yeah, he goes. Yes, it is. Things are so dangerous. Yeah, and he, and he goes. He goes. Be careful. I'm like, you know, might hold this for you. He goes like, no, you. This is your gator. I said, okay. He goes. So I. So he goes. So he goes. Hold that thing straight. Go up on the bow. And he goes. We'll bring it to you. So they did a big ten foot gator, like bringing it up to the bow like that. And he goes, you gotta put your ass into it, just like that to me. I'm like, all right. So I sat there like a samurai. And I was like. <laughs> like right in his forehead <laughs> they went right down all the bubbles came in I saw it coming right out of his nose like wow. hit it perfect like right between the eyes you know I mean? but that, that was my gator story but long like after that we're still going he's got like one tag left still and he's like just long and we're all like no, dude it's a- we're done the thing's taped up we got our big gator let's yeah. go home you save that tag for another day and he's just going at it going at it going at it going at it and sure enough he got it, it was like 4 30 in the morning like we went out at sunset like so i mean we were there for a long time we were all done sure enough we got one more after that and it was a nice gator you know but yeah florida florida cool experience right right same and right. I, some dudes are like really into it 
Big time. You know, but I mean, I'm not so into it. I love the fact that I went. I would go again. I did it but because I'm not, I like, wanted to do it. Yeah. And now that I did it, I'm like, I'm good. Thanks. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Send so, me a buckle, belt or whatever. Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, I, mean, I would do it again, but I'm, I'm not going to go out of my way to be like one of those guys hunting tags or buying tags off of people yeah. to get it done. And, you know, I know some guys it's are like- It's big business now. I know the Maddox are really into it. Timmy Sr., Timmy Jr., they love it. They cannot get enough of it. And they do a really good job at it. They're, as far as my circle of people that I know, they're the best at it. Um, you know, but- again yeah and those same guys take that same drive into their fishing and they're the best at that too 100 so percent. it's just sort of that they're wired that way yeah maybe i'm i don't know like i said I, i'm I look like at, okay you know, i experienced it on to the next thing i look at it like this and you could probably relate to this right so you, know, you write about fishing and boats and whatever for a living yeah i paint fish for a living i design around the whole in boats and i design around it for a living i'm staring at it all day long right so what I equate that to is that's my on the water experience. Not really, but I mean, talking about like how I fill my hours of my day, right? So I can't compare myself to say like a charter captain who's on the water all the time or fishing all the time. It's like, I love the fish. I'll get out as much as I possibly can whenever, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But you know, I can't, I can't look at it in comparison to the guys that are doing it professionally. It's, it's impossible because in my profession, that's what I look at as my fishing all day long right yeah is it i don't know if i I don't know if i articulated that the right way it's something i used to grapple with a lot more like you know you ever heard you ever heard of this like imposter syndrome yes and i used to have that because i'd feel like you know i'm writing about these stories and that but i you know i was like god i i need to fish more i need to boat more i need to be out there more these guys are always out but then it's like yeah they're out there because that's what they do for a living do for a living so I I totally know what you're talking about, and I used yeah, to- Yeah, I don't think I articulated it the right way, but I think you picked me up on that one right there. No, because yeah, sure. I grapple with it still to this day. Like, I'll go through, you know, I'm like, I can't look at social media anymore because I'll just get, like, super FOMO. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I want to do all that, but I got kids. I got a job. I got, a, <laughs> I got yeah. mortgages. I got all this sh- stuff. So, in, in my mind now, I just focus on like, I always have a trip on the calendar. I always have something to look forward to. Yeah. I need to get better at that. Something going on. It could be a week away. It could be next season. Mm-hmm. And it keeps me motivated. I still love to fish, but I think like you, it's like, I would consider myself a writer more like writing is what I do. Fishing is something I love. Right. So it's like, that's really my focus or my identity. I identify as a writer where those guys are like, oh, I'm a captain. Yeah. And even if I got my captain's license, I I don't think I'd want to be Captain Charlie. You know, it's just not my. Right. It's, it's different for me, but no, that's something I, I've definitely, I always like, oh, these guys are going to think I'm a poser and nobody does. Nobody. Everyone's like, you got the best gig in the world. Once they hear what I do. And it's funny that you say that because, you know, when I'll head out and I'm just like, man, I've been out in a while. And and then people are like, cool. I'm the one that's getting to take you out, you know? And I'm like, okay. Yeah. I'll roll with that. You know what I mean? But, you know, I wish I could get out more. And, you know, I think I'm past a point in my life where I'm just like, where it's like, oh yeah, I need to work on this more. I need to work on that more. And now I'm just like, I enjoy the moment when I'm out. 
And that's the thing. It's like, and because it doesn't happen as frequently for me as it does for the guy who's out there every day, I think I might enjoy it a little bit more. I, that's kind of what I was getting at. Like, um, I think I like this way better. When I was tournament fishing all the time and it was being competitive. It's a grind. It's a grind. And, and now, like when I stepped back and I said, I can't do it anymore because I can't do the pre-fish. And I can't do the, you know, and then there's the financial burden of it where it's like, especially with sail fishing down here, it's all about sailfish tournaments. And there's such a financial invest to it. And you want to contribute to the team and you just don't want to be that dude that shows up on, on Friday or Saturday. And it's just like, yeah, all right, I'm here to catch fish and, you know, Mm -hmm. have a good time. And, but, you know, ever since I stepped off of that train and I don't tournament fish anymore, I think I enjoy fishing more. Yeah. I really do believe that. I totally get it. There's guys like Art that are wired to like to be in that moment and well, like and they're, they're all about the game his and family everything too it's just a yeah, different deal that's true this is an example i'll give you so i was a big alpine skier and this is not going to be the brown trout it's not the brown trout story but when i first so go to the, go to the episode the first episode <laughs> with charlie if you want background on the brown trout and so i might have to tell people at the end of this episode what the brown trout's all about I went to, I, I loved skiing. I knew I wanted to go to school in like Colorado. I got that giant book of colleges and I'm like, oh, all right, I'm going to apply to the, all the schools that are close to a major school. It's a giant book of colleges? Yeah, that big red giant freaking phone book thing. <laughs> Barons or something. Anyway, so when I went out there, I got even better at skiing because I was doing it more. And then I'm like, oh, I'm going to get a job as a ski instructor. And so I tried it. I absolutely hated it. Hated it. Hated it because it was like forcing me into something. It was it was ruining something I loved because I was stuck out there with like Billy's grandma trying to teach her how to make, right. you know, pizza slices, which is a snowplow. Pizza slices, <laughs> French fries. Pizza slices. And it was just like, and my buddies are blazing up the lift to go to like, you know, my favorite part of the mountain. So to me, I think if I was... You know, maybe when I retire, I could, because I do like to take kids fishing. Right. I really like to take kids fishing. And, um, but that sort of ruined skiing for me or ruin, like it was about to. So I just said, I'm not going to do this. And then I became a janitor and that's where the brown trout came in. So, uh, the brown trout basically was when Charlie was a janitor, there's a code word when they get, come over the walkie talkie. (laughs) We got a brown trout in the Gothic cafeteria. (laughs) That's the shit in the toilet. (laughs) That somebody left the floater. That was my job. Yeah, that was his job. It was the best job on the mountain, though, because I got four-hour ski breaks. There you go. And you'd have to do pizza slices. No. Pizza slices, French fries. Pizza. Uh, it was terrible. The, um, I'm going to pour you another drink here. It might be stiff. I don't know. So, okay. Um, cheers. Cheers. Thank you, Papa's. More Papa's Pilar. Um, I'm going to take a sip break. A little stronger, I think I made it for you. That one's got some hair on it. Yeah, a little bit. Mm. Um, the hell were we just talking about? Brown trap. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I mean, you, I what I was gonna say was it's kind of like um, you know, don't meet your heroes, kind of theory. Yeah. Where and I know people say that like, like uh, like I idolize Eddie Vedder, right? And it's like. If I were to ever meet him one day, I'm almost like scared to meet him if that were the case because I don't want to ruin that image that I have of like who he is and, and all that. But it's like, you know, it's like what if he's an asshole to me? 
But I then that ruins like thirty years of fandom. Yeah, right. That's part of it. Luckily, in our world, all these guys are generally super cool. Yeah, there's a few. You bad catch a guy in a bad there. day, but if you catch a guy in a bad day, and that can that can make you define him because it was because he didn't come to your moment the way you wanted him to come to your moment. And you you've got something there. Yeah, and that happens for sure. But and I think that's why you and I just always got along because we're about the same age mm-hmm. and we're both creative on in this little world. And you know, I think in, there are a lot of similarities. I've always admired you know, how you grind and you're so motivated and you hustle and you've built this business. And um, so, yeah, no, I appreciate I that. I appreciate it. It is a grind, man. I mean, it, it is really, it's a daily. You're always and, working yeah. on something and, and that's part of it too. It's you're a workaholic, Dennis. Yeah. At some point you need to just embrace it. I do. That's why I loved when you came down and we went fishing for a little bit before this episode, because that really, really warmed my heart. And, you know, you forced me to leave this place, which is not an easy thing for someone to, to actually pull off to get me to actually leave here. And and you did. And I was like, all right, that's cool. It's good for the head. It really is it's good for the head, good for the soul. And, you know, even though we didn't catch shit today, I really got a lot out of it. I didn't really care. I loved fishing with you. That was my favorite part. Yeah. And I was like, finally, Charlie and I, I got out. I think seeing me scream at the iguana was your favorite that part. That was my favorite part. <laughs> yeah. Actually, seeing you chase the iguana with your cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of my favorite part, but that was a big yeah. one. Yeah, but was, I, no, we are. We are. It's pounds. funny. I'm not gonna let that go though. When you just said that, I think we are very similar. Like now, I think I never really thought about it before, but it's very true. Like we're both, um, we're both industry guys, and we're both creatively minded, um, and we're both really, really just like laid back. We let like a lot of things just like roll off our back. And I don't know about you, but I internalize a lot, and and just just accept a lot of things and just kind of try to push through it yeah on my own to just find the solution rather than complain about it yeah i'm much the same way and you know you brought up technology and there's so many headwinds with that it's like i've had to learn all these adobe programs Mm -hmm. design programs and um you just got to do it i think that's the one benefit that that the studios have had the studios had and and i really want to just I guess acknowledge that is like when I learned Photoshop was on like the first version of Photoshop and I've been living in it ever since the elevator. And I think that's the one thing that's really given us an advantage face to face, just, just being able to work digitally and be diverse and not have to be such a slave to the canvas um, has allowed the business to thrive. Yeah. And I'm saying over time, not just like now I'm just saying for all time um that's really having that in our hip pocket has i think really more than il- any illustrative talent that i have or because it sort it gives the 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 commerce world and the real world like a purpose for my art well and you've created a catalog i mean to mm-hmm. use sort of a musical term you yeah all these images and everything you've created for all these years you have it mm-hmm. saved in that world on a hard drive or cloud or whatever so i think that's kind of cool you must have thousands yeah there's a lot there's a lot it can be repurposed and redeveloped and redesigned and and yeah that part of it's really neat like there's i I embrace technology i i know when i'm like outnumbered i mean even my nine-year-old i'm like oh forget about that i can't even see my phone can you help me yeah 
My 11 year old daughter, she, she comes in now because we homeschool and she comes in on Fridays and she, we, I give her a real world experience and she helps. She does the inventory. She does everything right here. And she's got her iPad and she comes away and she wants, I told you before when we were fishing, she wants to have her own YouTube channel, right? Oh yeah. Everybody wants to be an influencer. That's it. So at the end of the day, she goes, dad, look at my intro that I made. Like what? And it's like this elaborate thing that I'm like, if I had to sit down, I'm like, I don't even know if I'd know how to do this. Right. And 11 and they're just such sponges to technology. It's It's cool. And you could do everything with your phone now. It's just amazing. Yeah. It's like when we were coming up, to 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 video and then digitize. I mean, it would have been the quite text. A... Remember you had the text and like go through like A A A B B. Right. We call me or you say four one one. Oh god! Right for call me. I have information. That's something to tell you. Yeah, we shouldn't go down that rabbit hole. We'll just sound. You want to? You want to go there? No. no. Be, it's be, fun to have kids. Beeper, though. beeper jargon. No. No. Oh my god! I I've rewatched The Wire during the pandemic. It's pretty funny to see how they go. I started doing that. Well, they go from beepers and stuff. I started, and pagers I'm, I'm, I and started doing that. Like I'm telling you, like a oh. month ago, I'm on like episode three. Oh shit, dude! You're in for for a thrill ride. Yeah, I know. I'm an It's I started because I never watched The Wire. I did it with The Sopranos. <laughs> I have rewatched, but all I this never stuff. watched it. You're saying rewatch? I never watched it. See, I so I just started watching The Wire, and this is great. This is like an old show now. At this point, I'm like, oh yeah, the yeah. technology. Talk about technology. The technology in the older shows, you go back to watch them. It's like, well, oh, yeah, so this the is first, weird. The first season, they're using pagers and uh, and payphones. When was yeah. the last time you saw a payphone? Right, a payphone that worked. Payphone that worked. I mean, someone's been wiping their or butt didn't, on didn't that. Didn't have like shit 20. all over it. Yeah, <laughs> payphone that you wanted to touch. Right. Those. It's the first time. It, it's just hilarious. So my younger son Cooper is a Netflix kid. He loves watching movies and stuff. And the first time we were, we don't have cable. I can't remember when we last had cable. I don't cable. I have YouTube TV. Yeah. And so we were at a hotel, and there was just we're watching TV, and, and the commercials were coming on. He was getting so pissed off. And I'm like, dude, I can't change it. He's like, no. <laughs> he <Yep>. started crying. <laughs> my kids hate commercials with a passion. Like a I thought I hated world. commercials. You talk to my kids, forget about it. Yeah, we had like four channels. You know? Yeah. Now they've got. Anyway, back to fishing. Back to fishing. Did we? Did we? We went off the beaten path from fishing. Yeah, we were just aging ourselves. So tell me. All right. So tell me why. That the editor in chief of Angler's Journal magazine calls me up and says, Hey, before our podcast, I want to go fishing. I said, Okay, cool. I can hook up Art. I can hook up Skip. Like, what do you want to do? You want to, it's, you know, it's late summer, early fall. So we're going to be slim pickings out there. And like, no, I want to catch snakeheads. Well, I mean, I want to go do that with those guys too, but <laughs> I don't know. I've just been on this exotic kick and they don't live in Orlando. So, and I don't get down. When I do come down here, usually it's just like a turn and burn mission, you know? So I was down here last week in Miami testing uh, the new formula. Mm-hmm. Formula boats just came out with a center console. It's, um, it was, it was pretty nice. So I Is still this write. Is their first center console? They made fishing boats no? in the 80s. It's the first one in a long, long time. Yeah. Okay. So they made, they had a 23. I know mostly they're like cuddy cabin kind of yeah. thing, right? They make pocket cruisers. I mean, they make yachts. They build beautiful boats. Right. And 
at Power Motor. They Yacht, really do build beautiful boats. I went on their 500, which I think they introduced a couple of years ago. It's a 50 foot. They call it a bow rider. It's got an open bow, but it's got a massive cabin and big mm-hmm. indoor salon, and it's got four of those 600 V12 Merc outboards on it. It does like really. It's a it's a huge, impressive machine, and I kind of fell in love with it. I mean, it's not like the kind of boat I generally gravitate to. Like I generally gravitate to a convertible flybridge or a center console fishing boat, but I can appreciate a good boat, and mm-hmm. and this one was just. They have a really interesting way of like utilizing every inch of space in their boats. You know, like, oh, you look under the stairs going down into the, the cabin and it's like this custom compartment for a vacuum. And they, oh, you need another chair? One pulls out right here. Like they just, it's almost like going on a scavenger hunt to find all their little design right. tricks in there. So anyway, yeah, they announced this boat at the Miami boat show in February and it, it's now it's out in the wild. And um, so I was invited to, to do sea trial and we went fishing, but it was a turn and burn. Cause I was like, got to get back to Orlando. Got to do work. Da, 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 da. So I knew we didn't have a ton of time and I don't know. I just want to, I want to go whack some snakeheads, man. I love that because when I was like making fun of the situation the whole time until we got out there, like once we got out there, I was like, Give me that motherfucking snakehead. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. Let's have it. But it never happened. But now. Well, now we have the pin. But now. Now we get the pin. But now. I got the like the itch now. Like the, the fact that we didn't catch one. Yeah. Well, we didn't like, have I'm a, on a mission now. Time. It would have been. It would have been pretty amazing if we had whacked. It would have been amazing. There. But no. Let's we fished for, like, for like a half an hour. Yeah. We got to do it right. We got to. It, you know what I was thinking driving down here would be kind of cool? If you and I went on a trip together mm-hmm. somewhere, whether it's something local and easy like that, or we actually traveled and did something out of our element, it would be pretty cool. I go and I write the story and then you go and you come out and you do some sort of art from it, whether it's a painting or whatever. Because mm-hmm. I've seen some of your cartoons and stuff and I've always enjoyed those I too. love cartooning. I but really have a lot of fun with it. If we did that, so we go do a trip, and then you go to your corner, I go to my corner, and I write something, and you create the art, and then we come back and like see what we have. I thought that would be pretty fun. Let's do it. Seems like a good idea. Let's do it as a TV show. It's like a Hunter S. Thompson kind of thing, right? <laughs> we should right. do it as a TV show. Well, don't put the pressure of trying to live up to Hunter S. Thompson. No, on. I'm just saying like how the, like, the illustration has evolved. His il- Those illustrations were- Crazy. They were crazy. Yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't- Every time I work with an artist I've learned or a photographer too, it's like I'm not I, I might try to give you some direction of what I'm gonna do, but I would just I would, would more like to just lay stand back and see what you come up with. Okay. So if Let's we do maybe it. we do it on the we could do start with snakeheads and see what happens. We should yeah, we can. We'll plan it, we'll we'll get like someone who really knows what they're doing mm-hmm. to take us and we'll right. and we'll Unlike learn. Me. <laughs> that's <laughs> no, true I'm, I'm admitting this well we had the frogs I mean, we had the frogs it's not that complicated not that complicated it's yeah. more about I think just it's like I haven't caught them they're... before I have but no I think it would be fun to do that and I, I'll write a story and you illustrate it and we'll just marry it together and see what happens totally because today's illustration would be you like going like this with like freaking iguana <laughs> jumping out of a tree that would be today's illustration that was pretty funny that was pretty funny. But it's a good concept. I think so. I'm all about it. 
All right. I'm at, um, listen, I'm all about anything you want to do. Me too, really. Like, really. I mean, I think that's a great idea. You know, I think the, the journey is, is not the end result. And it's, you know, the thing I, I think too about the freshwater thing, I didn't do a ton of freshwater fishing growing up. I grew up in Connecticut. I was very focused on striped bass and bluefish. And then I got into some more offshore stuff. But so when I first moved to Florida, I started fishing for bass a little bit more. And now I live on a chain of lakes and we do it all the time. And it's a lot harder than you think. And there's so many different ways to catch bass? them. No, well, we no. My lake is just all. You're talking about bass. That. Yeah, bass, green bass. But it's it's not nearly as involved as going like offshore. It's like you can just not make, nearly no. And and I still love bass to offshore fishing. Fish. Is like the easiest like kind of fishing you. You can could do. be like, you know what? I want to go, and it's like in ten minutes. You're ready, and you're <laughs> that's you're, it. You're off. Here, like today, it's like oh, I just grab my rod, my tackle box, for hit it. You know and, I, mean? I, and I, there's something really cool about that. I've always got a fishing rod in my truck. I've mm-hmm. got a little tiny tackle box. And so I think that simplicity of it really is attractive to me. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, you know what? Well, let's give it a shot for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, an hour, two, whatever, and see what happens. I'd love to go fish with Art and interview him and do like that guy's done some amazing stuff and won a whole bunch Art's of tournaments. Incredible. And he knows about weather and sea surface temperature. I mean, that guy's got a wealth of knowledge, and I would love to hang out with him more and do that. So, yeah, sign me up for that, too. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I just like all of it. I like that for the simplicity, and I like the offshore fishing for the technical side of it. You know, like yeah. kite fishing is there's so much gear in the water, and you're constantly moving and adjusting, and it's all a dance. It's all a dance. It's just a matter of what you're in the mood for. But at, but when you boil it all down, I think it's it's a very common denominator. It's about being outside, getting unplugged, join some time with your buddies or family and 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 that lately I need that more than anything. So okay. So there's a thing that I've talked about on the show. I haven't really brought it up for a while yet or for in a while, but I'm going to bring it up to you now because I really want to get your perspective on it. So there is a whole theory that I have about fishing and hunting when you do it with uh, a buddy, right? And, you know, there's something memorable about that that you take with you for a long time. Um, And for the longest time, I couldn't understand why. And I think I put, you know, my thumb on it. And... It's different than the experience that you would have with, say, oh, yeah, I met this dude at a bachelor party and we had a great time. It's like, okay, cool, right? But that's fleeting. Years later down the road, you're going to be like, all right, well, we were just young and he was just stupid and we had a good time. Yeah, for sure, but whatever, you know. But but if you were had a fishing experience where you caught this great fish and you take that with you for the rest of your life and that never dies, doesn't go away. And that's a fact. But I wanted to investigate for the longest time why that was a different experience than everything else in the world. There's a million reasons why. And But I really think I put my thumb on it. I think because it's it's who we are as as men, as a human being. And I think it's a primal experience. It is. And I think that that's why. That's why I think fishing 
slash hunting is so important to who we are innately. Yeah. And I put me next to some moving water, whatever, mm-hmm. the ocean, a you're river. closer to the earth, you're closer to land, but you, it's, it's, it's like, it's, I can feel my blood pressure just like mellowing out and you can breathe a little deeper. Your shoulders relax and you're like, ah, like mm-hmm. this is my church, you know, for sure. And, and I think it's part of that. And I've often said, you said something about like, it lives on forever. And this is my line. Whenever it comes to taking someone fishing for the first time, I say, sure, no problem. It makes you immortal. I know it sounds like kind of. It's the truth though. Yeah. Cause they're never going to forget that moment. And it could be a, a brim or a bluegill or anything. It doesn't matter. And, and I really get off on that. Mm-hmm. And it's gotten much better in this day and age than it used to be. You know, it's interesting to me now, like meeting more uh, female anglers and they'll be like, oh, I was always, you know, intimidated or whatever. Guys were weird and I didn't. And now I think it's a much more level playing field. Everyone who wants to fish, I think fishing is a very welcoming place. Mm-hmm. I hope anyway. And And you can have that experience where it's like, I don't know. There's just something, like you said, primal about it, about that connection to nature and that connection to the environment and, and the beauty of it. You're outside. You're looking at the water. Yeah. Um, no, man, I'm all about it. I'm all about it. I love taking people fishing for their first time. You know, and I think that's also why it's so important to take kids fishing. And it's so important for fathers to take their kids fishing. Yeah, um, and, and I more, think more it's important to get some of these city kids yeah. out and show them a good time. 100%. You know, when I was, uh, I always had this idea of connected by water because there's there's a there's an well there ar- you go that's why you came up with that of, phrase. Yeah, there's an arm of our company that is that is philanthropic, right? In, in all regards, right? You look at the like at the um, the campaign we're doing right now with the shirt for the hurricane. Thing, yeah. Which right? is right. awesome. Listen, I want to say, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn or anything like that, but I want to, I want to state for the record, that is not something that we profit on at all by any stretch of the means. It, it is not. That is like, we just do that because we feel that we need to do that because we have the capability to do that. Well, and you're a good dude, and that's the, that's the, nah, Listen, I don't want to turn it into that right no, now. No, I think li- when I really you don't. see something like that going on, you feel very helpless. And you want to, if you, if yeah. you give a damn, you want to help. And yeah. you found a way to help, man. And this is the whole point of why we became Connected by Water rather than Dennis Riller Studios. When Harris stepped in, I explained this to him in the beginning. He's like, well, what do you see Connected by Water as before, after we came up with the name and all that? And I said, well... It's it's a theory, how we're all connected by water, and I explained it, and I've explained it on this show many times about what connected by water means and how, you know, we're all connected by water and what that means as a community and the culture and all that. But part of that is putting your your money where your mouth is, yeah, and, and walking the walk, right? Walk the line, just like Johnny Cash says, right? Walk the line, and, and we're walking the line when we do programs like the shirt thing, and I want to really explore that more about connected by water because i think it's meaningful and at the end of it all i want my legacy to be my artwork right and, and it's everyone to see that but i also want it to be more than just that i want, it to, want it to be the things that we've did with it within our power to make the world a better place clean water is definitely a start for us yeah and that is where it all begins 
and it's really, really an important thing to us. Um, listen, I'm not a rich man. I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm. I'm not like I. I do well. I'm okay. You know what I mean. I'm provided for my family. No, I'm saying no. But I'm saying it's like. But the reason I think that we believe in this is because there's like so much more richness to have in the world if you can use your power for good and and do the right thing. Yeah. So well, and hey, look, anyone can just stroke a check. Right. But you you created something, and 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 people. That's why people jump on it. I think you know. Really, at the end of the day, you know, we wanted to create something that was lasting. Right? And, and the reason I bring this up, the reason I even started talking about this is because you brought about, thought about taking kids that don't have the opportunity to necessarily fish or see the things that you and I see on a daily basis or, or the things that we have like at our, at our, our, our fingertips and our back and call um, and bring that to them. Um, because everybody should experience this. I agree. And everyone should have the opportunity to experience this. Like, And there's some misconceptions. Like people just think you have to be a millionaire to go fishing. And it's total bullshit because. I think today proved well, that. We, yeah. I was going to yeah. say anyone can find a pond or something to go wet a line. You know, get some worms and make it very simple. Yeah. You might need to if you want to. And then as you get if you get into it, you might graduate. In, into like oh maybe i'll get a kayak and i'll start exploring and then maybe i'll get a skiff or whatever yeah and it and, and there's no like there's no um roadmap you just do what works for you um and year, years and years ago when i worked at the fisherman magazine we had a fund and each editor they would basically say like here's a checkbook do something good and one year I, I reached out, I was in Mystic, Connecticut, and I reached out to like a boys and girls club. I think it was in Providence, Rhode Island. So these kids grew up near the water, but they were city kids. And we hired a headboat and we just took them all fishing. That was it. These kids had so much fun. Mm-hmm. Some kid caught a sand shark and you would have thought, well, he I was mean, the hero oh for the my day, God, right? he was running around with this little 14 inch shark. I caught a shark. I caught, you know, <laughs> he was like, he's probably still talking about it. So I agree. And, and I think if we break down some of these barriers, you don't have to be a rich man. You just have to find the time really. And I mean, yeah. tackle now you can get some amazing for a hundred bucks. You can get a really decent spinning outfit yeah. and go anywhere and catch whatever. And then if you really get into it, you find a way to save and you get something better or you move up or, or you pass it on to the next person, you know? And, and I think it also creates that connection that is important for environmentalism. Like, you know, if we got to show people how special what we have is here so we don't freaking, we're so good at ruining everything. Like, let's. We really let, are. We, <laughs> let's try to keep this thing alive, you know? And, yeah. and. That ebbs and flows, and I don't really want to go down that rabbit hole. But I think the more connected these people are, and when I say these people, I mean all of us, then, you know, the easier it is to get those wins Mm -hmm. for water quality or habitat or whatever the case is. You know, it's funny because you you look at that, that sport fish owner that has worked really hard in his business life, and I'm not knocking him. Um. And then he's got this big sport fish and he's like been fishing hardcore for like five years. And then all of a sudden he's in the forefront of the fishing world and oh yeah, we're doing these tournaments now. Okay, cool. You're you're providing for these people, the mates and the captains. Yeah, it's, it's, great, a, it's a ton pool. of work to do it and, it and it's an investment. Yeah, but know that there are 
a bunch of kids that have turned into young adults that have been doing this their whole life that are just as connected as you are. Yeah, because they love it and they'll find a way to make it work. Yeah. And I, to me, that that's that's the gap that we try to close by saying connected by water. It's It's really, really cool the opportunities that fishing can open. Yeah. You know, I've gotten to travel around to places like Central America and there's a fella by the name of Kennedy Hernandez, who I fished with many years ago. He was a mate on a boat down in Guatemala mm -hmm. and I had such an interesting conversation with him and we've stayed in touch through Facebook and stuff. But at the time he was working for uh, Brad Phillips, really well-known captain and Kennedy started as a washdown boy in Guatemala, you know, and so he would make a couple bucks, wash the boats when they came in fishing. Then he became a second mate. Then he became a first mate for Brad, who was a really successful guy. And Kennedy was in that position for many years, got to meet a lot of Americans and people of all different backgrounds, educated, you know, whatever, a lot of connections like you're talking about. Now Kennedy runs a boat and I guarantee you through fishing, he's probably earning way more than his father ever did doing whatever. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. the opportunities and the people he's met. He's got friends all over the world. You know, like that part of fishing is so cool. And that's yet another connection. So it's like if you have the passion, you can figure it out. I think you well, the passion is the key word, right? That's the thing. I mean, if you really want it, it's there for you. Yeah. You got to just, yeah, you can't, you got to hustle, you got to grind. You got to hustle, you, you, but if you want it, it's there. The opportunity is there. Like, you look at, like, the days and, like, you know, actually, let me just bring it up like this. Take Pompano. There are so many kids in this town that just hustle on a boat, right? And there are so many kids in this town that maybe just don't hustle and they're just doing it for the wrong reasons. But there are a lot of kids in this town that hustle on boats, mm -hmm. right? And they're just, they don't own a boat. But they're, they're out they there. They come from a lot of money, but they're just raising their hand at every opportunity and they're out there. Yeah. Right? And that's what it takes. If, if anything is, in, is an example of that, it is this town. And, and what, what the culture has brought this town to be um, from, from the way the youth moves on fishing here. Right. And I think and this is a be, prime example of how it needs to be. It could be and That's offshore. why I love Pompano so much. It could be tarpon, snook, it, it, yeah. it, whatever. And there, if you hustle and you work and you get better every day, you're going to build a name for yourself, you know? And next thing you know, I mean, those guys might be pro staff on right. you know, XYZ and running a boat. And it, it's really cool. Yeah. It's really, really cool. But you got to be careful too, because there's plenty of dudes who just start partying too hard and <laughs> go down. Yeah. So there's a fine yeah, line. That, you got to be problem. able to manage it. That's a problem. Yeah, that's a problem. But I, I, I think you and I look at it through a similar lens, and, mm -hmm. and it's it's been so fun to to meet all these people over the years and travel and make friendships like we have, and you know, it's it's a cool. I mean, we we're in the fishing world, man. Yeah. It's crazy. I, it's a good life. It is. It's a good life. It really is. You know, because I think, you know, w once you get to that point, you know, and it, nothing warms my heart when, when you see that guy that's 
come up through the lower ranks, you know what I mean? Just intermingling with that guy that came from up top and like they're all just like looking at each other like they respect each other. Common denominator. Yeah, and I love it. And it's he's good at what he does and he's good at what he does. Yeah. You know? And so it works. And it's cool. I I've met some of the most interesting people on boats. Yeah. My dad always said every time you go fishing with someone, you should come back with like learning at least one thing. Even if the one thing you learned was I don't ever want to go fishing with that guy ever right. again. Right. 100%. But you should come out learning at least one thing. Yep. And and it's true. Yep, definitely. Um real quick. I want to ask your opinion on something before we close this thing out. Okay, I'm going to take a sip. You can take a sip. You're a foodie. I do love food. You do love food. I love to grill. I love to cook. I think I know where this is going. Well, I mean, I I want to bring up. I I want to give you a bottle of the W sauce, and I and I want to get your opinion on it because you really know what you're talking about when it comes to food. You're you're a really good griller, and you know, what's your favorite thing to grill? I'm probably most known for not grilling, but smoking ribs, pork ribs, spare ribs. Usually. Really, spare ribs, baby backs. Um, yeah, I've got a like an egg style smoker, and um, that's my deal. Okay, you got the egg. I have a knockoff of an egg. It's, okay, it's not a big green egg. I actually, but you'll appreciate this. So, uh-huh. I someone put that thing on the curb in my neighborhood. So I come got on. It. No, you salvaged it. I salvaged I'm it. I'm impressed, and I rebuilt this thing. It's really. Um, it's called an acorn. <laughs> come on, <laughs> it's made by oh, who's it? It's Ozark. A, no, it's made out of uh, metal, so it's not ceramic, but it, it works okay. awesome, and I got it for free. The acorn works. The huh? acorn. You got it next time you're in town, man. I'll I'll make you some ribs. Well, Mike was trying to talk me in. Mike Myatt was trying to talk me into just getting a Traeger grill. Those are awesome because yeah. you just like push the button. Yeah, that's what you have? Yeah, Yanni's got one. So, yeah, he's he's really like, oh, you get to do the pellets and everything, and there's no Makes tank it, or anything yeah. like that. So Well, mine's all like charcoal and, and wood chips, So, but it, you have to really watch the vents, and you got to have, you know, I like got an the, app on my phone yeah. with the thermometers and the alarms. and Really? Oh, yeah. Okay. But with the Traeger, you just go, oh, I want 275. All right. I'll come back in 12 hours. It'll be delicious. Really? Oh, yeah. They're, they're pretty brilliant. All right. I think I need, I need to get one. Um, so anyway, I want you, what the whole point of this is I want you to take, we got the vegan Shire and the fire Shire and and the America's Worcester sauce. So I want you to take whatever you think is going to be best for your ribs. I want you to put it on your ribs and I want you to try it. And I I want you to come back to me and let me know what you think, because I love it. No, but but I'm trying to get everyone's opinion on it because I saw some of the the magic effing cooking sauce going on here. Yeah, I saw some of the posts going around and I was like, oh, my God, that's Bear from the Keys. And yeah, he's got he's going to be coming on the show. I was like, holy crap. I didn't know he was a big. I mean, I should have known because you can tell. I mean, he he looks like he enjoys eating. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I hope he looks like he he looks like he can own a steak. Um, and you know, um, we have some common friends and I, I've actually, I fished with him. I fished with him many years ago at a, at a Navico event down in Hawks K and, um, he was a really cool guy. So yeah, I've been anxious to check this out. So I'm gonna, to me, like I we'll use take Worcestershire that one with a lot when I'm sort of marinating stuff. Right. Another thing I really do well is chicken wings. It's another one of my favorites. So 
I may first try this on some chicken wings. Mm-hmm. You know, marinate them. What I do is I marinate them and then I smoke them and then I turn the heat up and I get them crispy. Okay. Um, so I may go that route, but no, I would, dude, I'm stoked. I'm going to try this out. All right. And then the- I'm going classic though. Just Americans Worcestershire. Yeah, go classic. That's fine. They've also got this. This is tempting. The 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 fire hot one. The fireshire, yeah. Small batch fireshire. Yep. Vegan. Well, I don't know what. What did you say? No anchovies in the vegan shire. Oh. So. Okay. Yeah. Anytime I see that word, I'm just like, yeah, oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear. It, but I will also say that this is all gluten free. That's good. That's good. Yeah, it's all gluten free. Um, and then the next thing I want to bring up too is Corey, um, red wine. Yeah. Has texted me, um, our do-gooder of the week. So this is our Starbright do-gooder of the week. Um, and for those of you that are listening to the show for the first time, I don't know why you'd be listening to it just for the first time now after episode 137, but if you are welcome to the show, every week we do a Starbright do-gooder of the week. They are doing some really cool habitat work. They are. We have the bucket of fun right here, right in front of me. Okay, so yeah, so all this stuff that's in here, right? The degreaser, the boat wash. Oh yeah, this is good stuff. The salt off, the reggae sponge. No, I use Starbright stuff too. It's all environmentally friendly. It's all good for our coast. Yeah, put that Um, in your gas tank. So thank us later. Basically, as a show of them being environmentally friendly, they've sponsored this program with us. Awesome. To where we do the do-gooder of the week. And Love give, it. And they give whoever is the do-gooder of the week this bucket. That full, bucket full is stuff. killer. Right. Exactly. Um, so the do-gooder winner this week is Jennifer. Um, I, she didn't give me a last name. So so anyway, so Jennifer in Merritt Island. Uh, she's a local she's a wife and she's a mom she's very involved in her community and a great steward of our waterways she's teaching her son about our environment by taking him fishing and hunting teaching him conservation by doing trash cleanups and she brought me loads of mangrove props after the hurricane ah right so that's really good um and then that is it so jennifer don't have your last name but you Every Jennifer in Merritt Island (laughs) gets a bucket. No, Jennifer that knows Corey. That's really cool. Uh, Corey and Derek are good people. Yes, 100%. So very good friends of ours, very good friends of yours. Um, And we're trying to get them here soon in the studio. So they'll they'll be here soon. So Jennifer, you are our Starbright Do-Gooder of the Week. So congratulations to you. Way to go, Jennifer. Right? You get this bucket, and I'm sure Corey... Probably we'll give you one that's up there because we have buckets up there too. <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. Um, we have spent the evening with my good friend Charlie Levine. It's been Editor-in-chief of Angler's Journal magazine. I want to remind everyone to go pick up your Angler's Journal issue where yeah. this is his first issue as editor-in-chief of that magazine. Barnes & Noble is right. probably the easiest place or just... Go on anglersjournal.com and buy a subscription. Then you don't have to worry about it. That's the better way to do it, I think. For sure. Um, And also, I want to remind you that Suck Dry is still (laughs) available on Amazon. Classic. Classic. Charlie Levine. um, The struggle is real. It it is, isn't it? I try to tell people sometimes that the struggle is real when the projects are late. (laughs) (laughs) So You should trademark that, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trademark everything. Well, thanks, um, Dennis. Yeah. 
So I appreciate you coming down. It's it always was good fun. to see you. It's nice hanging out with you. Nice going fishing with you. Yeah. The next time we do it for real and we really target these things the right way and we hit it. Let's do it. Them. And then I'll write it and you'll illustrate it. I think that's a good plan. I think that would be really, really cool. I'm up for it. Of course I'm up for it. Uh, it involves you. So I'm up for it. So And you too, that, buddy. That's the bottom line. So um, are we good? Yeah. Yanni's like, yeah, I want to go home. <laughs> Ready. It's been a long day. It's Monday. Thanks, Yanni. Right. Actually, it's Friday. What am I saying? It's Friday. I'm just take kidding. One it's of Friday. These. I'm yeah, yeah, take to one of those home. Um, if you're in the market for a new truck, vehicle, family vehicle, right? I want you to go give our buddies over at joeycardicresso.jeep a call. Right. Yeah. And, um, and if you're in the market for some good rum. <laughs> yeah. Uh, definitely. Definitely. But uh, not, not like in conjunction with a car. No, only if you're <laughs> driving there and then, then get to your destination and have the room. Um, the, uh, they're featuring the new Wagoneer right now, um, and it is an absolutely gorgeous vehicle. They resurrected that from the days of past, and they have improved on it, and it is magnificent. Oh, man, my family had a Wagoneer back in the day. Did they with really? The, with the wood panel, fake wood yeah. panel sides. Yeah, the family truckster. It was a beast. Yeah. The ones now are just... No, they luxurious. Look, yeah, yeah. Now, sure. now it's like it, that was a family car. That this like a luxury family car, and so they're they're really really nice. Um, so go over there, call Dean, tell him, uh, tell him you heard it on the Connected by Water podcast, and you're gonna get a really good deal. I promise you. As long as you say that, though, you have to say that. Dennis um, said I'd get a really good Dennis deal. Dennis <laughs> from the Connected by Water. They're gonna be like who? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um. We've been drinking Papa's Polar Rum, um, and um, I don't have to tell you, I really want to say something, though, this time that I say differently, that when we did this shirt, we're doing this shirt right now for the people of Fort Myers, um, all the money raised from this shirt is going to the Captains for Clean Water Guide Relief Fund, and it is going to go, the money that we raise is going to go to the families and the fishing guides that are out of work. That, That's awesome. That, that cannot simply just cannot take who's going to go over to fort myers right now and charter book a charter yeah it's going to be zero nobody nobody so these guys are completely out of work and there's a lot of charter guides over there um they they just what are they going to do you know what i mean who who's going to do that who's going to go to fort myers and book a charter right now absolutely nobody in the planet yeah, these uh, so these so so that that is decimating the industry. So we decided that the money that we're raising for the shirt is going to go directly to them and their families. That's a really uh, really in, kind in support of, of that. So um, right now cause. we are just just north of thirty thousand dollars raised by shirt in in about a week's time. Uh, we're hoping for a lot more. Um, you know the, the orders keep coming in, so we're hopeful that we'll we went forty grand on Dorian, so we're hoping to be north of that at the end of this one. Um, but the whole reason I bring this up is that Papa's Pilar has, at first, promised um, to give a ten percent match. Wow! On whatever we raise, and I think they've actually alluded and hinted to the fact that depending on the dollar amount, they're probably gonna. Maybe do more than him or cent. So we'll we'll see. But you know, Papa's Pilar and Mike Might and Stephen Groth, they've always come through. Well and they're definitely gonna come through again this time. Papa would be very proud of hundred percent. Hundred percent. Good on them and good on you for doing that, well, Dennis. Hey, like I said before, I don't wanna 
Now, I say know, for that buddy, reason, but I just I wanted to spotlight what they're doing. These for folks it, so. need help. the The pictures are just devastating, and it's such a special part of Florida. It's really, yeah, it's unfortunate. I don't even know what to say. Yeah, it's. Well, I don't think anyone really knows what to say. And that's why we say we're not. We don't know what to say. We just know what to do, right? Um, and then if you're hungry, and you usually are about three times a day, head on over to Papa's Raw Bar. Order something off the Connected by Water sushi menu, and you will be very satisfied because that is hands down the best sushi that I've ever had in my entire life. Right, and all the but they got a great bunch of things on their menu like wahoo bites and all different kind of hogfish bites and different kind of things. It's like a very unique menu, probably the most unique menu from a raw bar that I've ever seen in my entire life. So, um, Charlie the Bean, thank you for coming down. Thank you for driving down. Thank you for giving me your time. Thank you for going fishing with me. Oh, thank you, buddy. Right. Anytime. Let's and do it again it, soon. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. We got to get Adrian and Derek involved too. All right. All right. I and I, I like this. We got to plan like a real trip, man. Let's go. All right. Let's go. Let's do it. I'm ready. All right. Your ego is not your amigo. Always do your best. And at the end of the day, just let God do the rest. And do not ever forget. No matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, we are all connected by water. <laughs> Cheers, buddy. Cheers. Cheers.